Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Uh, today, our guest is Omar Khan. Thanks for being on the show, Omar. Thank you, Whitney. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate Omar being willing to come back on the show. He was on show WS05, and uh, he's been a great guest. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. And so today, we wanted to bring him back on and and really focus in on a few topics and uh, that he's an expert in. And and today, uh, or right off, we want to talk about market selection and uh, just the analysis and research, where to find uh, the details of a market and, and what you need to know and, and uh, who you need to talk to or where you go to get this information and what you should be focusing on or, uh, you know, how much time should we be spending on on what? And uh, uh, so, uh, Omar, why don't you give us a, just a, a brief background uh, again about yourself and because uh, 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 listeners can go back to uh, 05 and, and uh, really get your full background, but uh, give us a brief background about your time in the syndication business, and then we'll go right into to how you how you select a market, and, and we'll get into the details of that. Uh, so uh, my background's 10 plus years now in institutional finance. I've worked across real estate and commodities. We've uh, structured and advised on about $3.7 billion plus of capital financing, and M&A transactions. I'm a Canadian guy. I moved down to the U.S. three years ago because, you know, of a girl, my wife. Now uh, we have a kid. And basically what we do is we run large-scale multi-million dollar apartment syndications across the U.S., primarily focused on the South, Texas, Florida, Georgia. And, you know, we have lots of uh, high net worth individuals, entrepreneurs that we advise, plus there are investors as well. And that's kind of how we do it. So, you know, today we want to get into just the, you know, the, or right off, we want to get into market selection and just, you know, how, how do you select a market and, you know, what do we need to look at? And, uh, but let's, uh, you know, I want us to break it down for that, for that, that person who's just getting into the syndication business, but also, you know, please hit on the high points where, you know, somebody who's been in the business, you know, a few years and they've analyzed numerous markets, uh, you know, I want to provide value to them too. And so, uh, you know, but uh, just get us started and in, in how do we select a market? Well, that's a, actually, that's one of the best fundamental questions people have to ask. And as this is assuming, look, so if you don't have a team or you don't have a team that's widely dispersed, so I'll give you an example. I have two partners that are in South Florida, Miami. So when we were looking at a lot of markets, we personally liked Florida and the fact that I had boots on the ground, they really made it very easy for us to move to Florida. I live in Dallas, by the way, right? So we invested in Texas as well. So this, I'll go into the technical details of how to select a market, how to do all of that. But look, if you're starting out, the first thing you've got to you've got to realize is that the world is a big place, so you've got to pick one or two markets. And ideally, you want to pick markets where you either have some experience, you live there, you're born and raised there, you've got family there, friends there, or you've got some boots on the ground there. So if you did come across something, you can quickly send one of your partners or your boots on the ground partners, and they can then go have a look at it. Because guys, regardless of how much prevalent the internet is, uh, you know, and all this stuff, I'm telling you, there is there is a world of a difference in seeing something on the internet 
hearing about it through a broker and physically actually going to that property. You pick up so many small little things that you would have never known about. And again, again, just a recent example is we're looking at a deal in Jacksonville. And the, if you look at the rental, it says 137 units, right? But the broker had listed it as 138 units. So what we'd figured out when my partners went there was that this is a big company that we're, we're potentially acquiring this asset from. So what they had done is because they have so many assets in Jacksonville, Tampa, and all around Florida, that they had taken their biggest apartment, which is a four-bedroom, 2,000-square-feet apartment. This is a freaking awesome apartment. And they had converted it into a training center. Now, that training center's worth of revenue is nowhere on the rental. It's nowhere on the, on the financials. But we know that if we take that and we throw it, and you know, by the way, leasing office is separate, all of that is separate. So we know that now, because we physically visited the property, we know that this little thing exists. So when we put this on the market for $1,500, $1,800, what will happen now is that's $1,500, $1,800 extra per month for, say, the, the five years that we hold. So let's assume it's $1,500 times 12, which is $18,000 divided by 0.052 or you know, 5.2% cap rate, right? That basically means that we've kind of, you know, increase the value by, let me do the calculation here, by $346,000. And just by visiting, we didn't do anything smart. We didn't try to over-engineer the problem. This is just going there, talking to people, talking to the property manager, and just figuring this stuff out. So the point I'm trying to make is it's very important to have local partners. It's very important to either be in the market, which is the best thing. So when you're starting out without doing any fancy sort of analysis, without digging into the deeps, uh, you know, weeds, figure out where is your strength? Where is your market? Pick that market. Now, it might not be the most attractive market, but at least that's where you have an edge. So... If we, we could start by where we know people, where we have friends, or uh, maybe like you said, where, where maybe we lived in this town at one point or we're from there. Um, so how else, uh, you know, I, I guess um, really break the market details down, maybe some also, also some details to help us to know, okay, you know, this market looks like someplace I should spend some time creating those relationships, you know, uh, finding those, those, that team or those partners maybe in a different market that I'm not familiar with. Yep. So I can actually now get into the nitty gritty, right? The technical aspect of things. So we have to realize a lot of times, you know, folks tell us there's, you know, the U.S. US real estate market. Guys, there is no national real estate market. Every market is local, number one, right? So what we, for instance, did when we were starting out, when we had to figure out, okay, we've got a couple of partners all around the country. How do we decide this? So I'm a very quantitatively driven guy. You know, it's all numbers, all that kind of stuff, right? So apart from the typical population growth, job growth, employment growth, you know, what we're also looking at is what type of employment growth is happening. So let's assume if you have tech jobs moving in, right, or back office finance jobs, lots of jobs like that in Florida moving in, that's a very different kind of job than, say, McDonald's jobs, right? Because big difference between somebody earning 80 grand a year and somebody earning $12 an hour. Right. So you also kind of have to look at that. It's not just job growth or employment growth. What kind of job growth? What kind of employment growth? Then how is are the existing employment? How, how is it distributed? Is it just a one or two industry town or is it very equally distributed across, say, five or eight industries? We prefer to have no one industry which has over 20 percent of the total employment. 
So these are some big stats. And a lot of these stats, for instance, you can get from the U.S. Department of Labor, from the Department of Census, and all of these sort of stuff. But going into the nitty-gritty, then what we start looking at from our own personal point of view is, what is the affordability index like? You know, how much or not how much our house is affordable? Now, where do we get it? What we do is we look at a whole bunch of basically stats, but this is, um, you can also get this from the Office of the Federal Housing Enterprise Oversight. Really weird name for a department, but it works. And essentially it's under the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. So what the affordability index tells you is that relative to all the jobs in the market, how much is housing affordable? So you kind of have to figure out, you want to be in a place where housing is affordable, but you also don't want it to be too affordable because if it's too affordable, then nobody's going to rent your apartment. But if it's too unaffordable, then the existing apartments might be so expensive that you would never be able to get in starting out, right? So you kind of have to do that. And then the biggest thing you have to look for is basically how much supply is coming online. So let's assume you uncover a fantastic market. You've done your economic research. You've talked to people. Everybody says, oh my God, this is the greatest market since, you know, I don't know, since the history of mankind. But the problem is other people also know the same information. So if they know the same information and when you look at how much supply is coming online, so let's assume, you know, 10,000 more units are coming online. Well, then the problem becomes you might buy an asset, but there's so much supply coming online that it's going to flood the market. So if there, there's only a demand for, say, 5,000 units or 10,000 units start appearing. Then everybody's going to start offering discounts and offering concessions. Then you might not be able to make your numbers the same way as you had projected otherwise, right? So just some of the big points that one has to look at, statistically speaking. So how do we know if, if there's possibly going to be, you know, uh, too many apartments available in the next, say, six months. You know, we're looking at a property now and, and we're projecting, you know, owning this property for the next five years. You know, w- what are some details that we should be looking at to say, okay, you know, they're they're really overbuilding this market, uh, you know, so we could prepare for that or know that, yeah, it looks like a great deal right now. But, you know, a year from now uh, or two years from now, it's, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to keep it rented. Okay. So, yeah, that's a good question. So, there's a couple of ways. You can know this through industry databases like Axiometrics. Yardi has bought Axiometrics now. Big uh, real estate company. CoStar also has a lot of this information. Your broker should be able to volunteer this information for you through industry databases. And concurrently, what you can also do is you can go to the city hall or the local municipality and pull out all the permits in the, in the sub-market or market that you're interested in that developers have basically asked for in the past three years, Right. That gives you a rough idea on how much units are coming online. And then honestly, guys, again, I keep saying this over and over again, there is literally no substitute to physically actually visiting the market. No matter what statistics tells you, if you visit the market and there are, say, 100 cranes and they're all building apartment buildings, well, that's kind of a big sign, right? Right. So do you go... You know, tell us, you know, when should I, when should I visit that market? Should it be, you know, after I've talked to the broker and maybe I have, you know, I have a property that I'm considering um, or should I, you know, when should I go? Where should I go? So I think at the start, which is, so if let's assume you have say a three month schedule, right? Where you kind of have to do your market research. Let's try to make it simple. So what I would suggest is divide it into thirds. 
the first third of the of this three month cycle, what you've got to do is you've got to read all these reports, the industry reports. There's, by the way, there's a ton of free information out there. Literally, just go to Google, type, uh, you know, market slash uh, multifamily data. You should be able to find a ton of data. Well, you read that. You've gone through the free information that the government provides through the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, right? Once you have that, then I would suggest that you draw up a list of, say, a major, the major five or 10 brokers in the market. And guys, nine out of 10 times in most major markets, it's really the big brokerage houses. HFF, CBRE, Marcus and Millichap, ARA, Barcadia, and one or two other guys that I might be missing. But literally, in most major markets, these guys control 80 to 90% of the market. Okay? You honestly don't even have to go find the person. Just go to the website of any one of these brokerages Type, say, as an example, we were using Jacksonville, right? Type Jacksonville, and it'll show you all their people in Jacksonville. Don't bother with all the junior rank people. Don't bother with the middle management. Literally email the guy who's top of the food chain, okay? He or she is probably not going to talk to you, but what they're going to do is they're going to let you talk to the second in command. So you don't have to make your way all the way through the chain of command. You literally go either at the top or the one, or the one guy or girl below it. Talk to them. If you've done your research, you kind of have an idea of why it's a, why do you want to go to Jacksonville, right? Because you say, look, I did these sort of economic research. This is what I looked at. They're going to start taking you seriously. As soon as they start taking you slightly seriously, you can literally say, hey, so by the way, do you mind sending me the axiometrics report for Jacksonville for the, say, the third quarter of 2018? And they'd be happy to do it for you. Guys, they're in the business of making sales. The more... Uh, educated their buyers are, the easier the process is for them, right? Because they don't have to go spend their time grinding their wheels, trying to explain everything to you. So the more prepared you come, the more people are apt to help you out. Nice. So now you've, you know, you've visited the market, you've got brokers sending you deals. And so, you know, going through, I mean, you know, they're sending you all these deals, you're seeing deals from other people or maybe other uh, team members and all these things happening. You know, how do we filter all these deals? You know, so we are, um, I mean, it, you know, we've selected, I, I guess to help us select a market, maybe we're getting deals from lots of different markets. Or, you know, are, are you going to just say, okay, I'm not going to analyze these deals over here. And I don't want to get into analyzing a deal just yet, but uh, really helping us, you know, pick this market and hone in on this market. You know, how, how do you, how do you focus on uh, the, the deals that you or the markets that you want to analyze those deals in? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to help narrow this down. You know, if I'm getting in lots of leads, um, where, where's my time best spent? Okay. So again, great question, right? So like I said, on the one, the one third example, we have three months, right? So in the first month you did this, you kind of reached out to brokers, you did your research. Now the brokers, uh, you know, they're not going to give you their best deals because, you know, you're just starting out or starting out your relationship with them, but they're going to start feeding you information, right? Now let's assume you're at the start of the second month. Now is the time once you've done your research to actually physically go visit the visit the market, right? So you set up times. So if, let's say you're out, I live in Dallas, right? So let's assume I'm going to Florida. What I'll tell the guys is I'll give them a notice, right? Say three, four weeks, right? Or enough notice so that they can also make their plans. And guys, by the way, these people want to meet you. They want this is how literally they feed their family. Okay. So if you're serious, if you come across as somebody who's done your research, they will go out of their way to meet you. This is how they make their living. Okay. So I give, say, these brokers a two or three week notice, right? Now show up to the market. And part of the notice that I'm giving to the brokers is, look, here is my investment criteria. 
So you have to really sit down and kind of figure out what is your investment criteria because that helps you filter through all the options. Because when you say to a broker, I'm coming to this market, let's do some property tours. Because if you just show up to the broker and be like, hey, I just came to say hello, that's kind of weird. Because the guy's going to be like, you came all the way from Dallas to say hello? You could have called me, right? So it's kind of weird, right? So you have to have a reason to visit that market. What is the reason? The reason is obviously the market is attractive, but when you reach out to the brokers, you have to give this person a very specific set of instructions. So the specific set of instructions could be, this is my investment criteria. So I'll give you an example of our investment criteria. Our minimum investment criteria, we can go up, but the minimum is it has to be a value add BC multifamily asset. It's gotta be 100 to 200 units minimum. It's gotta be 15 to $20 million minimum. 1975 plus vintage with pitch roofs, 10 to 15% below market rents. Okay, guys, don't write a paragraph. Don't write an essay. Literally write three or four points and be like, I'm coming to the market. Here's my investment criteria. These are my dates. Let's find a time to meet. That's it. Okay, trust me, these people will get back to you because amateurs are going to write like a three paragraph you know, reply. Pros, they don't have time to write three paragraphs. They're going to write four bullet points and be like, look, dude, this is what I'm looking at. Don't show me anything else, right? So now the broker is taking you seriously. Now you're physically going to visit the market because you have developed your investment criteria. So let's assume some broker says, this is a great deal, but it's 50 units. I'm not going to look at it. Why am I not going to look at it? It doesn't fit my investment criteria, right? So right off the top, you filtered 50% of the deals. And trust me, brokers are going to try because they're in the business of making sales and there's nothing wrong with that. So they're going to say, oh yeah, you told me 100 plus units. This is a great deal. So you have to keep reminding people. You have to keep politely telling people, yeah, I know it's a great deal. I mean, you don't have to analyze the deal. Just say it's a great deal, right? It's a great deal, but we're looking at 100, 200 units minimum. That's it. You say this once or two times, Trust me, the other person gets the message. Once they get the message, they start taking you seriously because now you're developing credibility, okay? Now when you physically go visit the market, things start changing because now you're shaking the broker's hand. You're actually physically going with them to the properties. You start seeing things. You start asking for information. And in the third month, that's when the party really starts. Now, the first two months, you're just building your credibility with these guys. So in the third month is, you now start getting more and more deal flow because now the brokers know you're serious, you're prepared, you came with a plan, and you're not a tire kicker. Now they start feeding you deals. Once they start feeding you deals, that's where the analysis, that's where the underwriting, that's where the filtering process starts. So, uh, yeah, by that time, I mean, you, you've developed these relationships with the brokers and, and I mean, you're you're seeing a lot more deals from that specific broker, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, But the right kind of deals also, right? Because they're going to try giving you, say, if you say 100 units, they'll try giving you a 50-unit deal, right? And you can't blame the person, right? They're in the business of making sales, right? Right. You have to gently remind people, thank you very much, but I'm only looking at 100, 200 units minimum, as an example. So, you know, before we have to go, Omar, what, what else about, you know, market selection does that new person that's just getting started need to know? You know, what have I not asked you that, you know, that you need to, you need to tell that person that's just getting started? Well, look, I, I know it doesn't sound very quantitative or it doesn't sound very, you know, very mathematical. But what I also like to tell people is, you know, a lot of times you've got to take a step back from, uh, say, the spreadsheets 
And you kind of have to look at the big picture. You kind of have to look at, see, hey, where do I see this? You know, I mean, look, we live in this country, man. In this day and age, we kind of know what's going on around most parts of the country, right? We kind of have a rough idea. We don't have to know everything, right? So just ask yourself, hey, why do I actually want to go to this market? What's, what's like a big reason? Forget about the numbers. Forget about everything else. What's the reason? Is, is it very attractive? For instance, maybe I want to retire to this market. And by the way, that's, it sounds cheesy, but it's a pretty freaking good reason because now you're more committed to this thing, right? So once you understand why you're doing something, and it's not just the numbers. The numbers are really nice, but you have a big reason why you're trying to do it, right? You're more apt to consistently follow up, guys, because what happens initially is when you're starting out, it's really frustrating, right? You're, you feel like you're just shouting into the air and nobody's taking you seriously. And you're doing all this hard work, but you're not getting rewarded. So you, once you kind of understand why you're doing this and, hey, what's, what's the really attractive reason for me looking at this market? Trust me, a mental switch just flips in your mind and you're more apt to consistently do this work even in the face of rejection. Omar, you've been a great guest. And, uh, you know, why don't you tell the listeners how they can get more, more information about you and your company? Cool. So you can visit our website at boardwalkwealth.com. That's B-O-A-R-D, walkwealth, one word, dot com. Uh, you can register for a newsletter. We also, that, that way it's on our homepage. This way you're on our email list. So whenever we have new deals, whenever we're sharing new market research or new products, you get to know about it first. Also, you can email me at omar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions, uh, any queries you had. And if I don't know the question, answer to that question, I'd be happy to connect you with somebody that does. I hope that you will email Omar. I hope you'll connect with him. And also go to our Facebook group so you can uh, connect with him and ask questions there. And, and so we can all learn this business together and improve our, our personal business. And uh, I appreciate all the listeners for being here. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 